Good morning, good evening, and good night, my terrible listeners. You're tuned in to Terrible Sex with Nassim. I'm producer Dan, and each week I have the honor of bringing you registered nurse, aspiring sex educator, polyamory enthusiast, and true woman of the people, Nassim. And this week only, Nassim goes toe-to-toe with the first openly gay man in Saudi Arabia, political asylee, political campaigner, and international human rights activist, Widji. Send your questions, comments, and especially voice memos to Nassim. This show is best when you guys get involved. All her contact info is on her website at terriblesexwithnassim.com. Hey, Nassim, and hey, Widji. Hey, Dan. Hey, Widji. I am so excited today. Uh, Me too. Once I was told about this talk show, I had to get on it. Oh, and I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for joining us this week. My friends are also excited from Saudi Arabia to listen to this. I told them about it. And once they heard the title of the podcast, they said, sign me up. Where can I listen to it? Yes. Excellent. You probably have a couple more audiences going to show up later on just to hear what uh, we're, we're talking about today. I'm ready for it. Excellent. And I'm ready to hear your story and what you have to bring to the table this week. First off, uh, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, you said you're from Saudi Arabia. Tell us a little bit about your, uh, I guess, your hometown and like what, what brought you here today? Well, um, so I'm like what you said, I'm from Saudi Arabia. I'm the first openly gay man from Saudi Arabia. Uh, my hometown is Jeddah City. Um, grew up uh, until I was around fifth grade, went to Riyadh, the capital of Saudi Arabia. And then two years later, in 2005, came to the United States. My parents were uh, students uh, that uh, were on a scholarship from King Abdullah to uh, study and get their uh, higher education. So uh, I was in Columbia, Missouri for two years and then Manhattan, Kansas, where I had the privilege of going to one of the best uh, 100 high schools in the United States, according to USA Today. Um, So I was very lucky. I I didn't know how important that meant and what what that entailed until later on in life right now, um, knowing how far I've I've gone and how easy it was for me to graduate high school here. Um, I, I definitely um very grateful for that experience, um, which is 180 degrees different from an experience in Saudi Arabia. Uh, as a student with learning disability, dyslexic, ADHD, with hearing loss, uh, this uh, was essential to my growth as a person in in the learning aspect. Uh, of course, um, I grew up in a very religious household. Um, so if you're thinking of the Westboro Baptist Church conservative, uh, that is very, very much close to that. And Never... You... Go ahead. So, sorry, you're, so your family is Sunni, I'm assuming? Yes, they're Wahhabist Sunnis. Okay. Um, so, uh, it was, uh, very, uh, I was going to summer camps where I was memorizing the Quran 
Um, every day I went back from school, I went to to study Quran and memorize Quran. Um, so it was my life. Uh, essentially, I was in a cult. I'm not going to lie about it. Um, and the reason I say I'm in a cult is because most people would know about pop culture. Most people would know about um, general culture around you. And I didn't have the privilege of knowing that because it was essentially haram. Why would you know anything? It's essentially forbidden um, to learn about this. So even Lady Gaga or uh, Beyonce, I I couldn't tell the difference between them until today. Oh, wow. Uh, if uh, I see celebrities and... Um, I'm talking to my friends. They're like, you don't know such and such. And I'm like, wow, no. Um, so how long were you in this cult as you describe it? Like how old were you when like, <sighs> was this the, until you, like your entire childhood up into your adult life? Adult life, early adult life. I think it was until I was 21, 22. Um, College, uh, high school and college were two milestones, and I, I had two interactions that, uh, one interaction in high school that, that made it the whole change in my life, and I, I made sure to go to that person. So uh, there, we had a, we had uh, an exchange student. I think she was from Sweden or Switzerland, uh, and. I had deep hatred to myself for being gay, um, and I kept my opinions to myself, unless I was asked. Um, and I was in an English class once, and uh, very simply, I was asked, what's your opinion on gay marriage? As it was uh, a hot topic issue back then, before it was legalized. And this, you're in high school in the States during this time, right? Yes, I was okay. in Manhattan, Kansas, Manhattan High. Um, I essentially said my opinion back then, which was absolutely not my opinion right now, and that this gay marriage is unnatural. It's uh, uh, not meant to be like that, blah, 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 so on, so on. And she just stood up and how dare you say that? And I had never been questioned like that before. Uh, and it was a conversation that took on for like at least 30 minutes till the end of the class. And we carried that conversation outside the class. And I just remembered what my religious clerks used to say at the religious camp. And it was, have you seen a rooster? Screw a rooster. Have you seen a dog fuck a dog? No, you haven't. You don't see that stuff because it's unnatural. And I literally said that exact same quote to this lady. And she said, yeah, I have seen them. And she's just, you know, like how the Berlin Wall falls down. I had the exact same reactions like, what? Wow. You're you're telling me it's natural cuz 
the the main excuse was God never creates something wrong because God created nature to be in his service, to worship him and only do what it, God tells it to do. And for nature to be gay means something totally different to someone that always believed that nature is just exactly how God intended it to be. Um, of course, I'm an atheist now, but... Right. Yeah, so you were challenged by a Swedish exchange student uh, about yes. your, 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 your strong stance against gay marriage at the time. While you were Swedish in high school, or Swiss, Swedish or Swiss, I don't. Sure. I, I remember. I remember her strength, and I. I'm not screwing with that. Um, <laughs> she put me in my place. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> and I made sure after I came out to find who she is and write her a thanking message. Oh, did you for? Uh, awakening the because what she did was a big knock so Nassim, I, I don't know if you heard that but what i said was when i was in religious camps the sheikhs and the imams were and the clerks would say have you seen a dog screwing a male dog and have you seen a rooster screwing another rooster ah and that was my my response to her. And her response was, yeah, look it up on YouTube. <laughs> and I went home and guess what? That was the first thing I looked up. And in fact, there were lions doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny because it's so common, you know. Um, same sex interactions happen all the time in the natural world. And, you know, there's uh different, there's no sex binary in the natural world either. You know, we have this idea that, Oh, transgender is just a human thing. It's really not. You have, um, I'm married to a trans guy. See, <laughs> like exactly. Like there, there's, it's, it's so universal and it's not anything that is new. It's not a new phenomenon. These types of individuals have been existing forever and people have just been blind to it or um, not wanting to accept that. But anyway, go on. So I used, I used to be, since in high school, middle school, always like to be a people reader and um, I always used to um, read into that, and that kind of played into my personality growing up. And what do you mean by that, a people reader? Like I used to buy these booklets: how to be a leader, how to be, how to, how to read your friends, how to read the room. And I think, like, as a person with like disability and someone that might be on the spectrum a little bit. It, it it always felt like I had to ask what was going on or try to figure out why it was happening and or 
what is the best way to do something on how or how to go about it because i just made so many mistakes um and i i was okay i was i was happily making them while i was a child when i first came to the us um i never had an interaction with a girl outside my family never I never met a girl outside my family so mm. what happened was my first day in school in middle school i entered the class and it was all girls and the girl said oh and my ass thought they were yelling at me so i just walked my ass out of there and the teacher's coming after me come back to the class i'm like i swear mm-hmm. i'm i'm a guy i'm a man and i didn't know how to speak english so i was like wallahi wallahi i'm a rajal rajal wallahi rajal i'm a boy i'm a boy and <laughs> i was worried that they thought i was a girl and they were because you hadn't interacted in a social setting with other with yeah. girls and and so you thought you were in the wrong place like you walked into ex- like the wrong path of the mosque exactly so like oh okay no okay no not not here okay the other side because everything is segregated back then especially in saudi arabia Mm -hmm. super segregated between men and women and the coach would like she would see like come over here so like you know like how you have a student like come over here go there you'd take their hand and like you'd be like it respect like not like Rudely, just easily, you know, they would move you to the other side and you'd move. But I just had to react. Don't touch me. And you could see her fear in her eyes. <laughs> and like <laughs> he told her the worst thing she did. Like she got so scared. And I was like, my religion says no touching. And and it was it was mm. just that. It was that crazy. and. I couldn't, I I didn't know any uh, cultural significant people that the rest of the culture would know. I wasn't allowed to hang out with my friends from school in America. Um, nevertheless, I wasn't able to hang out with my school back in Saudi Arabia. So I definitely felt like I was in a cult. Um, um, it was definitely from school to the house, uh, from the house to the mosque, from the mosque to school, and that was that was the the lifestyle that you reign. Um, but because I came from such a dictator country, I also kind of was much grown than the kids around me. So when I was asked, for example, who do you like, boys or girls? Because I made a confusion of boyfriends and girlfriends. I was like, well, it's a boy and a girl, and it includes a friend. So every boy in the school that's my friend is a boyfriend, and every girl in the school that's a friend of mine is a girlfriend. So the <laughs> the the natural reaction was. <laughs> Do you like boys or girls? And the first thought in my head was, you come from a very, very misogynistic country. You come from a country that oppresses women. 
you know, you need to show a proper representation of your Saudi government and you need to be a real ambassador. I said, I like both. Hmm. I see Dave just looked at me weird and walked away. <laughs> well, you answer. I mean, you answered the question literally. <laughs> Well, it wasn't based on my sexuality. I didn't even know what boyfriends and girlfriends are. In fact, I didn't even know about masturbation. I didn't even know about um, sex. I didn't even know about what it means to have a romantic relationship. Because it was taboo to talk about all of that. Of course. So... Absolutely. I learned all of that by mistake. And I thought when I first masturbated by mistake that I was becoming an alien or the Hulk. Wait, I have to back up. What do you mean you masturbated by mistake? Can you please explain? (laughs) (laughs) That was my first masturbation. And it was totally by mistake. I was on my stomach. And I was supposed to be memorizing the Quran. And I literally had the Quran <laughs> in my head. <laughs> and I was so bored. I wasn't thinking about the Quran. I was thinking about all the cute people I thought were cute. And my body was just rubbing the um, the bed, like the, the mattress. mattress? And it was just a normal thing, and I just don't know. And I thought I peed myself. I literally thought I peed myself. I'm like, no, 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 no. That you, I was feeling good. I and all of a sudden I peed myself. I don't know what's happened. I went, and it was something. It, it was it was coming. I was like, I don't know what this is. No one told me about this. It wasn't in the Quran. It wasn't in the Hadith. It wasn't in... My parents never told me about this shit. My mom never said it in the khutbah. I must be an alien. <laughs> I must be as out someone, of this world. As someone... No, I was not raised in as strict of a Muslim household, but my family is Muslim. And so hearing you talk about this... I, I feel like I have like kinship with you. <laughs> so I was so confused. I was like, oh my God, this is not happening. Oh, I can't tell any. If I tell them about this, they're going to take me away like they do in movies. So I got, I, I, so I just kept it to myself. And that was my, that was how I learned masturbation and it was i i wish i was informed i but you know what i took i knew that i there was no hope of learning anything from my family regarding sex or sex education they even took me so where did you so where did you get your sex education classes in school when I was in high school mm. or junior high, um, I learned it in college. I learned, I did my homework and co- I had to do my homework in college. I had to sit down and 
ask a lot of people. Um, when I graduated and I went to when I went to college, it was I still lived with my family. I went to college at the same university. They denied me to go to Georgetown. So I like I got a scholarship one summer to go to Georgetown, and it was like a end way to continue your education and go to college. And and they just denied me to go to Georgetown. They said you don't need to go there because I think I was. They suspected me to be gay, so they just didn't want me to be away. I just think that's what it was. So. <clears throat> I went to K-State and was the the same university with him. But it was the only time I was so far away from my family almost for a very long period of time. Eight hours or 12 hours at a time. Yeah, sometimes I even slept at the library just not to go back home. Oh, wow. Yeah, the k-state library just because i didn't want to be around my parents i didn't want to be around a house that was making me pray five times a day was forcing me into order of things that i didn't want to participate in and it wasn't by choice and when i asked you get out of the house and join a fraternity or join a uh, the dorms, my father got extremely offended. Extremely offended. So that put me in a lot of funny, terrible sex situation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, but I had a lot of advice before my first sexual experience. So before my first sexual experience, I had to come to accepting myself and I started coming. I came out to my best friend, Aaron, he's from high school, my best friend. Uh, we were, he, he was so chill about it. Um. I start seeing therapists that had more than 90 appointments with that therapist. We used that appointments to later on use it for my political asylum. But the nice thing that happened is that I was able to confront a lot of my past, confront a lot of my self-hatred, and come to a place where I can accept myself for who I am. A lot of the appointments was also about how how I should approach guys or or dates because I had no clue into how to date or how to ask someone out or what is what does it mean to have a cuddle night or what does it mean to have a sex night or what does it mean to have uh, just a date with none of those other things because I just didn't know anything and I took it very personal and I took it and I was very frustrated 
because there was a lot of sexual anger connected to all of that. <laughs> One time, I uh, was up by 3 a.m. in the morning, and I am on Grinder searching for my honey. <laughs> and as we all do <laughs> yeah and i sneaked out of the house got in my car found me a guy got into this house we started to try to have sex it was very apparent that it was his first time too i even saw a holy bible on the side of the <laughs> the, the, the bed <laughs> So I assumed that the guy was very religious as well. <laughs> um, and I put the condom on, and he was full of diarrhea. <laughs> so it was horrible. I was like, "Dude, no!" There was no, uh, there was no pre-planning uh, preparation that went on before this grinder date. No, 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 no. But that, this is not my first. That wasn't my first sexual experience. No. So I started swimming, and I, I, I loved swimming, and I met, which was a coaching at the time, uh, swimming, and I kind of hinted that he was gay, and I was like, "Are you gay?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, oh, finally, someone I could talk to about this. So I'm like, oh, I'm also gay. Anyways, so we had cuddle nights, and it was good. And he gave me a lot of advice. He taught me about what douching was. He uh, also taught me about, like, what it means to have sex and then make sure that the other partner is happy things i never thought would be important things that like porn would never tell you about like you should make sure that there are other partners also fulfilled you should make sure that they've also reached their happy point uh, you should make sure they're not hurting while you're fucking them isn't it wonderful to find a partner that is willing to take a couple minutes and teach you those kinds of things? Oh my God, that was exactly what I needed. It wasn't, like, even though sometime I was butt hurt, we weren't doing those things. But he was telling me, like, you kind of want to find someone that will respect all of your boundaries. You want to find someone that you kind of want to make your first time a little bit meaningful, even though... Uh, they may not be your boyfriend or girlfriend, but you just want to make it meaningful. You don't want to do the first time and just feel like you missed out on it. Imagine so, if you hadn't had that interaction with that person, like how different your sexual uh, growth would have been without that experience. It would have been so different. That, that, is, that experience... Uh, made a huge difference because I planned after that and I it wasn't only one person. You know, it was a couple of times, you know, I I uh Brennan uh at K State, the leader for the head of the LGBT student department. He every time I was frustrated and go to his office he's like, you should you should plan it out. You should find the right person. Don't worry. 
And I found the right person. His name is Robbie. Um, I don't know where he's at now. I don't know how he's doing or anything about him. I have his number saved as Robbie Grinder. We're going to have him on next week. uh, Yeah, sure. (laughs) He should come over. Um, And we planned everything a week ahead. So we planned a time and a day. And I told him it's my first time. Are you willing to like work with me? He's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. He's like, we'll take it your speed. And I'm like, perfect. So we got to know each other. We uh, were watching one of the Will Smith superhero movies. What is it called? Is that the one where he was like miserable? Yes. Yes, that was a great movie. And when he's drunk. Yeah. Move, bitch! Get off the way. Hancock was that Hancock? Hancock, that's yeah. it. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know movies, <laughs> so uh, I'm a movie guy. So we were watching that, and we started cuddling, and he started doing his thing with his foot and with my like with my foot, and I never felt like, ooh, that's. Okay, I I like that. I okay, and we just started cuddling, and he's like, "Is this okay? Is that okay?" We started making out, and all of a sudden, we didn't know. The same thing happened with the cuddle nights. You know, we started cuddling, and you have the Star Wars movie in the background. You don't even know what happened anymore. Uh, <laughs> so that's. Uh, that's how we had sex. Uh, he let me top, and then he taught me a little bit about how to bottom it when I was ready. Like not even the same night, you know, a couple sessions later, a um, couple months later, in fact. So it sounds uh, like he acted like a mentor for you. Oh yes, he uh, he was very nice. So like me. Taken my, I was rejected a lot of times, but for the amount of times I was rejected, I'm grateful that I met with the right people. Um, and rejected how? Like rejected just because it was your first time? Yes, or I was closeted, mm-hmm. or anything like that. But after you come out, you also get rejected because you're outed by other people <laughs> some people don't want anything to do with you because you're out uh so it's uh depends on which side of the fence you are yeah but i still was not involved with the lgbt community all this time my interaction with the lgbt community is very minimalist because you're not out with your family at this point are you it wasn't till 2016 when i was outed and there's a long story on that i essentially became under threat of being kidnapped by the saudi government and i had to go into a safe house in kansas city missouri two hours away from manhattan kansas i entered a safe house with the kansas city anti-violence project sadly the kansas city anti-violence project is no longer around us just uh closed its doors this year in that safe house, I was there for a few months to close to a year. 
after that, I was a little bit homeless couch surfing because I was legal in the U.S., but mm, still not allowed to work, even though I had two college degrees. And I had a lot of my sexual awakening. And I like to tell the Saudi community that I slept with more than 200 men. <laughs> I know that's not a big number for a lot of people in the U.S., but to them, that's like, what? <laughs> and you say that out loud, too? How dare you? You're going to hell. In You're fact, giving me goals. You're giving me goals, Logi. <laughs> what? You're giving me goals to attain. <laughs> They 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 have officially named me as one of the signs of Dave Judgment. Really? Yes. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Is that's kind is that of what's awesome. on the T-shirt you sell? Yes, Waji has sign of Dave Judgment. I will buy that shirt. <laughs> I, I will too. <laughs> Send me a link. I'm buying it tonight. Oh my god! There's a whole video. Of a channel that has more than a million, a hundred thousand subscribers. Just saying, a boy from the holy city of Medina and a descendant of the prophet marries a, an American boy. Signs of Dave Judgment. Please share the link with us. I yes, will. Please. I we'll will. put it up on we'll put it up on the on the website. Will do. So <laughs> since then, I knew that uh you know that they were always going to be looking at me. I've, I've uh, since you, uh, for two years now, I've been utilizing Twitter Spaces, opening uh, spaces in Arabic uh, and in English, talking to the Saudi community and the Arabic community in general about sex education, um, what it means to be polyamorous, what it means to be. Uh, what's the difference between cheating and polyamory? What's the difference between marrying four wives and polyamory? Um, and uh, because a lot of times, you know, they get compared to each other in the Middle East that if you're going polyamory, you're only marrying four women or something like that. I mean, the same is true in the U.S. too. I think that there's a lot of misconception that if you're polyamorous, it means that you're a polygamist. You know that you have, you know, seven wives or something, and you're part of the Mormon Church or something along that that those lines. Unless so, you say you're gay. Unless that's true. <laughs> that's true. Unless you say you're gay. Uh, well, every Mormon I see, I assume they're halfway in. <laughs> 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 is that your husband in the background laughing? Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Amazing. He funny. <laughs> He's right. <laughs> Absolutely. I've got in to tell fact, you, though, that. I, I used to hit the, uh, on every Mormon that used to knock on my door. Oh, hi, handsome. <laughs> you really are doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Indeed. They got to know they're cute. Well, you're putting the. <laughs> Top, honey, you're doing the tie wrong. <laughs> and I used to do that at my best friend's house where his dad is a missionary. Nice. Right in front of them. I used to crack them up. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, um... Since then, it's been a very fun way. I just got married last December. 
Well, congratulations. Uh, yeah, congrats. Thank you. I find myself uh, to be far less of an asshole now that I'm married than I used to be. I, I, I hope you find the right? same. Yeah, no, my husband will put me back to my spot. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm an even bigger asshole now that I'm married. But she says she feels like a bigger asshole now that she's married. <laughs> I think that's you. That's probably me. Definitely more honest. Yeah, okay, he's more honest. But uh, the first thing that I asked Chris was, are you okay with open relationships? Mm-hmm. Because I can't be in a relationship that's not open, and he says the same thing. So we're, I think that was a struggle to find the right partner that was okay with me being open, and that's fine because um, not everyone is ready for polyamory, and not everyone is polyamorous. But I felt like going back to the closet if I was going to be monogamous and I didn't want to do that. Same thing as a gay man dating a transgender man or a trans woman. I feel like there's a lot of stigma in the LGBT community and a lot of hatred uh, or fear of judgment from other members of the community of doing that for some reason. And I just wasn't willing to have that put me back in the closet too um so um just knowing that love is love and what is more important than the sex that happens in the bedroom is who are you willing to trust by the end of the day and who are you for someone that doesn't have a family like myself in the US who am I willing to trust that if something happens to me, I end up in the emergency room and they're asked whether they want to pull the plug or not. It's someone that I trust and love and be willing to put that trust in them. And for a lot of people, sometimes what's being asked, are we a match or not? And it's usually we're, only looking at the positive things we're not looking at this is what i hate what do you hate (laughs) (laughs) we're only like this is what i like what do you like and a lot of times you have to figure out what the other side hates because it's just part of a relationship that we never take a measure of Mm. yeah you're right that's that's got to align I've too. I've been doing most of the talking. Let me take a hit. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really important, though. You know, you you haven't really said it exactly, but what I'm what I'm taking from your words is found family is so important in these kinds of communities when you don't have people who necessarily support you in your biological life finding people who you can connect with who love you and accept you for who you are and how you live your life is such an affirming and necessary part of of growth of healing and of being a person in this dark world there was a 180 degree difference in my reaction to how i'm looking to date men 
when I felt fulfilled by love and and knowing that I have family and I have love and I have support system. Just my way of approaching men has changed because I know I got nothing to lose. So you're absolutely correct. And only so much to gain, right? Exactly. Because the more we are willing to open ourselves up, the more we will gain as what I'm learning in my own discovery with polyamory. So, I mean, cheers to you. That sounds like it's been a struggle, but wow, I'm I'm blown away by your story. Yeah, man, as a uh, very boring, straight, white, Midwestern male, I am hugely encouraged and impressed by everything that you have had to endure to become the smart, funny, well-balanced, loved person that you are today. So I feel humbled by you guys' words. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Well, you got a few more minutes to stick around and answer some questions? Uh, Yes, I do. Any question my way, I'll be happy to answer it. In fact, if the question offends me, I'll give them 50 bucks. (laughs) All right, you heard it here, terrible listeners. The the money is on the table. What has the show become? (laughs) Hey, Nassim, I need some information on what to do. My partner doesn't want to show me results for his STD panel because his recent partner gets tested all the time routinely. And since that was his only partner, he doesn't feel the need to share his STD results and expects me to believe he is clean. What should I do in this situation? I am clean and would like to see his results for peace of mind. Hell to the no. That that's not gonna work in my house. Not if it's gonna be a polyamorous relationship. You better be getting tested. Get tested, and if you're going to get tested, and part of this lifestyle is and responsible sexual encounters, is you share that information. It's important because you can't have informed consent if you don't know what you're consenting to. That's a great answer from both of you. Yeah, why why would I why would I why would I risk any of that? That that's just stupid. It's just stupid. I'm sorry. If your partner doesn't feel comfortable to share their current sex status with you, then you probably shouldn't have sex with them. One hundred percent agree. You're here. I'm I'm not saying break up. Just don't just don't have sex with them. Yeah, and stand your ground. One thing that I really want to put out there, and I've said this before on the pod, um, and I just want to say it again, is let's try and change your vocabulary. We don't like to use the term clean because we assume that if you have a clean bill of health, that means that if you are positive for an STD, STI, it makes you dirty. It does not make you dirty. It just means you have a health condition. Negative. Let's try to change your vocabulary, Mm -hmm. folks. You are correct. Next question. Hey, Nassim, I'm a 17-year-old female, and I haven't had sex yet. I'm not too sure what's going on, but I don't think I have a hymen yet, and I have never had sex. I've only ever fingered myself and used a vibrator to stimulate my clitoris. I haven't bled while doing any of these things. I guess my question is, is there any explanation for my situation? There is no problem with you not having sex at the young age. In fact, if you're doing whatever you're doing at this time, you're doing you're being healthy. Don't worry about actually the 
like what the society thinks right now of having sex or not. So, I mean, take your time. Don't feel like you're you need to pressure yourself to get in a situation to have sex. If you're happy at the moment, then you're good. And also, there's no such thing as really a hymen. Breaking the hymen. I don't hymen even know what that is. Because they wouldn't let you go to sex <laughs> education school, man, when you were 14. Neither. I don't even know what a hymen is, so I, I'm sorry. It's this myth that there's like this barrier called a hymen that uh, if you break it, it means you're a no virgin, longer a virgin no. anymore. Oh, yeah, that BS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's not you even know, true. You know, a like hymen- families back in the Middle East still wait until they see a blood on the napkin from the husband? Yeah, yeah. It's barbaric. I mean, not to be culturally insensitive, <laughs> but I think there, it's honey. absolutely... It's absolutely, it's absolutely absurd. I mean, I'm Middle Eastern. It's absolutely absurd. Hey, Nassim, does it hurt when a guy with stubble eats you out? I started maintaining a three millimeter stubble kind of recently for the first time. Might go down on a girl tomorrow night, and I'm wondering if it'll be painful or prickly for her. And if I can do anything to avoid something like that. Thanks, Nassim. I mean, it's personal <laughs> preference. I kind of like it. I was just thinking of the callback to last week where you were talking about liking getting smacked in the pussy real hard. So, yeah, I mean, I'm also a masochist, so I like I like a little discomfort. So, uh, I, I mean, it's a personal preference thing. Always um, ask. Yeah, someone always ask. Don't just I, 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 I Again, appreciate how he's uh, yeah. asking ahead and asking if there's anything he can do to avoid discomfort. And mm-hmm. yeah, what you can do is not ask people with podcasts. Ask the girl you're about to go down on. Exactly. And frankly, maybe you want to bring a razor, keep it in your back pocket. Let her know that you're looking out for her. I mean, if you're sleeping with me, I mean, if you're sleeping with me, you should come ask me. If you're sleeping with dad, let him know. Just let me know. That's all I ask. And if you're sleeping with me, I mean, grow it a little bit. So. <laughs> 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 I can't. I don't do smooth. I, I don't do smooth faces. I am. A, I like the beard. I'm hundred percent. When my husband shaves his beard, we have this joke because I like the first time he ever shaved his beard, I didn't recognize him, and I'm like, oh, my boyfriend's in town because I, like he's he looks completely different, and I'm like, mm, you should grow that thing back. <laughs> so, well, sometimes you have to get rid of it. Yeah, and I get that, but. Uh, feels so much better with some stubble. I think that's a personal thing. Anyway, next. Hey, Nassim, should I ask my neighbor if she's DTF? I know my neighbor is single. Should I ask her to fuck? I'm 20. <laughs> I think she's almost 40. What should I do? Uh, oh my! Not, not that. <laughs> I know people. Just mm-hmm. would you? I'm gonna let you take this one because I. <laughs> Don't 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 do that. No, I mean, first of all, are you renting or owning? Never mind. Um, have you have you gotten any indication that this woman wants to have sex with you? That's a good question because she also may view you as like a child. The swagger and the lack of any self doubt of a twenty year old straight male is astounding. If only if I had half as much confidence. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
Are you her pool boy or something? Right. Yeah. First clean her pool. Make sure it looks good. <laughs> and then. You got to start somewhere. Listen. Right. But if she comes out in her lingerie, then you'll know she's ready. But don't ask her. No, no. You don't make the move. Last thing you need is her calling your boss. In all seriousness, though, I think that, like, people are into different ages, you know? There's no shame in, like, liking an older person. Yeah, there's no shame in age. Um, But I do think that, like, you can't... If it's coming from nowhere, that you're just going to ask your neighbor, like, hey, you want to bang? That's going to be a very startling and upsetting scenario for that person. Now, if you've gotten some indication that maybe they're interested, sure. Fine, go for it. But if not, eh, probably not appropriate because that's kind. I want to know. Send us a message. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah let us know what happens. Just have follow up email. Yeah, I feel like if your first approach to this woman is just asking her if she wants to fuck, that's a terrible way to start any kind of relationship with any kind of partner, casual or not. Right, build up a little slower to that. Or at least take a hike. Yes. Or or if you see her on Tinder, maybe that's a little more appropriate there. But don't just go uh, knocking yeah. on her door. Next question. I'm, I'm out of questions, man. And we just hit over an hour. That went by fast. It did. It was it was fun. Yes. Thank you so much, Waji, for coming and telling your story and just I'd love to be I'd love to be there again. Please, yes, let's do it again. Absolutely. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much. It was an honor, Nassim, and please add me on Facebook and social media because I want to be friends with you and dad. <laughs> My heart just grew three sizes. <laughs> <laughs> Nassim wants all her terrible listeners to know that although she is a medical professional, she is not your medical professional. This podcast is not medical advice. If you want medical advice, please seek out your very own healthcare provider. Terrible Sex with Nassim is part of the Terrible Podcast Network.